Hebrews 12, Hebrews 6. So we're starting a new series tonight called Collected. Um, how many of you guys have set New Year's goals already? Like have goals for 2016, right? How many of you guys are like, I stopped setting goals a long time ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> how many of you guys, if you were going to set goals, they're the exact same. You just go to 2015 and copy and paste them, and that's 2016 goals, right? So I, I kind of want to start, uh, kind of laid out the case for the series, and we're going to talk a little bit about how to make 2016 a year of growth, all right? Um, so this idea of, oh yeah, uh, we are in, as a church, we are in a 21-day fast. Trevor's going to awkwardly run up a journal for me. Thanks, Trevor. Look at Sporty tonight, Sporty Spice. Like, um, <laughs> if you have not picked up one of these yet, um, grab them in the cafe. They're five bucks. It basically walks through the fast as well as the devotional um, that we're doing as a church for the next 21 days. I, I really encourage you to take some time. You know, we hear that word fast and it's like, why would I stop eating? I love food, right? And it, there's a component of that. You know, Brittany and I have chosen, um, we're not doing wheat, which is insane. I would pick carbs over any other food group like every day of the week. Every single time. And we're not doing wheat. And it, I've not been nice. I've had to apologize to Brittany, right? But, um, you know, a fast is a lot more about gaining focus in the right areas than it is about what you're going without. Yeah. And so you can not do TV, you can not do, uh, you know, really anything. It's, any, it's basically the goal is to take something out of your life that it forces you to intentionally pause and focus on the right things. And this is the cool thing about this devotion is it helps you do that. So if you don't have one, grab one um, at the cafe. It's a great tool to have to start your year off right. We're going to talk about that a little more in a second. The idea of collective. Um, our key verse for this, you don't have to turn there, but our key verse for the series is in Ephesians 4, verse 16. Um, From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. If, if we were to define collective tonight, and kind of the heart behind the series is this. Um, it's a representation of many individuals. And really that's what UDYA is, and really that's what church is, whether you go to real life or you go to a different one. We are a representation of all the individuals that call UDYA home. And in order for us to be a good representation in the community, to have an impact as like we did at UGM, if one of us had gone to UGM as an individual, we wouldn't have had the same power that we had collectively because 20 of us went. And so that's kind of what we want to start the year off focusing on. But before we can start talking about the idea of church, a group of people, we really have to start with ourselves. If we believe the church is made up of individuals, then we've got to talk about how do individuals get momentum. Because momentum in me will lead to momentum in us. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing we have to understand. We need every single person that calls UDYA, real life, whatever your home church is, we need to be growing. So that way, our collective power is growing as well. As we grow individually, our group will grow as well. And I want to start tackling that thought tonight. So in Hebrews 12, we'll start in verse 1, um, and we'll read through verse 2, and then we'll jump down to verse 11 as well. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily 
entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then drop down to verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Verse 12. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Let's pray real quick and we'll talk just for a couple of minutes. God, we thank you that as we start this new year with you, we really can have a fresh start. That we can see ourselves gaining momentum in areas that we've given up changing a long time ago. That we can really accomplish the things we set out to do as we come to really understand your plan and purpose for us and how we play into it. I pray that we come to understand that. Give the Seahawks and victory this Sunday. Yes. But everyone go to church as well. Yes. And, and, uh, I know the game's at 10. TVR, be in church, right? Yes. Sunday. There you go. I, I'm, I've turned on, I've turned off all of my notifications. I will be in church. All right? So be there with us suffering and we'll go walking. So, it, Church is not suffering. Let me backtrack. Don't tell Pastor Steve I said that. I'm excited for church. There you go. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hear about that. Matt, you got to take that out of the podcast. All right. It's interesting to me as you read this chunk of scripture, and we read it a lot of times in light of Jesus, and we forget that Jesus and how he handled situations and how he behaved here on earth really should be a pattern for our humanity. And I want to pull some of the lessons we see out of this chunk of scripture from Jesus, some of the perspectives we see, some of the decisions that we see he made, and kind of help us apply them to the idea of goals. It's, it's interesting to me that it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, and he took on, he, he despised the cross and endured shame. It, it's interesting to me that there's a lot of us that have struggled with the same things for a long time because moving past them might be embarrassing or it might hurt. There's a lot of us who have decided that the dysfunction that we call comfortable is better to remain in than really being healthy. Some of us have stayed in bad relationships for a long time because it's going to hurt to end it. Some of us have not given up behaviors because we're concerned that we're going to have to tell our friends that we don't do that anymore. And yet, for the joy set before Jesus, it says that he, even though despised the cross, he endured it because he knew that the end goal was worth momentary discomfort. Yeah. And I, I would hope that as we enter 2016, we would have this perspective. It may stink now to choose to try to get healthy, but when we're 35 and have kids, we want to be healthy. It may stink now to stick to a budget, but when I'm 50, 65 and can retire, it's going to make a lot of sense. It may stink now to end that relationship, but when my marriage is healthy 10 years from now, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. We have to make this decision just like Jesus did that in the moment it may stink, but I'm going to take embarrassment, take shame, take pain for the joy that comes with it. It also starts off in saying this, lay aside every encumbrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. As, as Britt and I were laying out our goals and, and what we want to see in 2016. 
It's interesting that the things that we wanted to start tackling are the ones that come easiest to us. And it's not, see, we look at sin and we think about it, hey, at least I didn't murder someone today, right? (laughs) And sin is this picture of this really big, huge deal, right? At least I didn't do that. And yet a lot of times the things that hold us back from accomplishing what we want to accomplish are the things, the sins that we partake in because they're comfortable to us. They're ones that we knew five years ago we probably should change, but we've just decided to call them normal. It's the anger issue we have because, and then we just blame it on our personality. It's the fact that we really like to gossip and tell, speak poorly of others, but we call about, we say, oh, we're just trying to relate to people. It's the lust issue we've had for years, but at least I'm not sleeping with my girlfriend. It's these things of comfort that we take in and begin to call normal. But it's interesting, when you think through the lens of sin being missing the mark, James defines sin as knowing good and choosing not to do it. And we start looking through that lens, what are the comfortable things that really make up the comfort of our lives, but are actually dysfunctional sin that's holding us back? And I would hate to get to the end of this year and say, wow, I should have dealt with that little thing. Because every year that that little thing stays, it grows a mountain of an issue that we can have over. Yeah, so true. And then it says, lays aside encumbrances. It's sometimes for us, it's not a sin issue that's stopping us from going where we need to go. But it is something that we know we need to move past. Some of us have taken on habits or problems or issues that are standing in our way. And we would look at them and we justify them by saying, hey, at least it's not a sin. At least it's not against the Bible, but we know for ourselves, this is not beneficial to me. We have to make a decision. I'm going to lay aside the things that are in my way, whether it's an encumbrance or a sin, because I want to go after what God has for me so I can do what I'm supposed to do because I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be. That is what moves us forward. What moves us forward past these sins of comfort and past these encumbrances is the decision, I want to be at peace with myself in peace with God. I want to be able to look my friend in the face and say, hey, I'm seeing success in that area. We have to begin to move past these things. So let's get into how we do it. I have six things that I think we should do to make 2016 a year of growth. Number one is this, find the main issue. Find the main issue. If you struggle being on time, if you struggle staying healthy, and if you struggle with your budget, those are not your issues. Your issue is self-control. self-discipline. If you fly off the handle at people, your issue is not you fly off the handle at people. The issue is there's probably something unsettled in your spirit. If you are struggling with a lust issue, it's probably insecurity, not a lust issue. If you are sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend, it's not that's not the real issue. It's your ability to set a standard and maintain it. That's the issue. We have to begin to tackle the main issue. We have to learn to ask, why do I do what I do? When I am doing something that I know is not good, whether it's an encumbrance or a sin, when I am participating in that, I would encourage you to pause yourself and ask, why am I about to do this? That is the thing we need to change in 2016. A lot of us will spend our entire life modifying behavior and becoming the same person. We start in January, and by February, we've given up. And it's because we're trying to modify our behavior instead of attacking the root of the issue. We have to ask the question, why do I do 
what I do. Attack. Find the main issue. Number two is this. Be intentional. Everyone, find the main issue. Number two, be intentional. I had this leadership teacher in high school. And her favorite thing to say is, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Fail to plan, you plan to fail. And the same thing is true as we set out to begin to change and to grow in this coming year. Having a statement, I want to be healthier in 2016, means absolutely nothing. That's really cool. And you'll probably get some likes on Facebook. Someone may even retweet it. But that doesn't mean anything. Healthy how? Emotionally, mentally, physically? What, what, what kind of healthy are we talking about? If your goal does not have a backbone, it will fall over. Yeah. And the backbone is details. I want to lose this much weight by this day, right? I want to no longer have this type of language in my vocabulary by this time. I will not respond this way to these people when they do. It has to have a backbone. You need to be able to clearly articulate it. If you cannot clearly articulate a goal, there's a good chance you're not committed to it. That's good. I, I just want to just want to be better. Be better at what? There's a lot of things we stink at, right? <laughs> a lot of us, we have a lot of things. Be more better -er is not a good goal. <laughs> we need to take the time. We need to take the time not only to write out. See, this is what we do. This is what our age group does really well. We do a great job of admitting that we stink at something and we think that's enough. Well, I'm self-aware. Isn't that enough? No. A self-aware person changes. Yeah, it's good. Why go on the journey of finding out what stinks if you're not going to do anything about it? And, and this is a challenging thought. There's a leadership guy named Ronnie Doss that we had out um, a couple years ago. Or no, last year. Not a couple years ago, last year. Wow. Time is flying, guys. Wow. Last year, I remember last year when it was a couple years ago. I hate that. So many people's dads, my dad put that. I like wanted to disown my dad, whatever. But we, we make these big statements and we think that that's enough. And, and, and Ronnie Doss says it this way. Our life shows what we're truly committed to. Our life shows what we're truly committed to. And that's, that smacked me upside the head when he said it. If we're saying we want to be healthy, but we're not changing our diet and exercising more, then we're not committed to it, right? If we're saying we want to be on a budget and we're still living in fear every time we swipe our debit card and waiting for it to say approved, then we're not committed to it. If we're saying that we want to have a better devotional life, right, and we're not getting up and doing it, then we're not committed to it. Saying it is not doing it. We have to reach a point where we give it a backbone and we're intentional about what we do. Number three is this. Chase what you want. Chase what you want. Jesus, it says, for the joy before him, he endured this tough time of the cross. And the same thing applies to us. Being aware of what we do not want to be should not be what drives us. Yeah. Because that becomes who we are. When our dominant picture is, I don't want to be like my dad. When our dominant picture is, I just don't want a marriage like my parents. When my dominant picture is, I don't want to be like, I don't want to do this, I don't want to be that. That is where we stay. Because it's what we keep circling around. It's what we focus on. Yeah. What should move us forward is the picture of who we want to be. Yeah, right. I want to encourage you not only to set a goal, but begin to visualize, have a picture in your head of what that looks like. And when temptation, quote-unquote, temptation comes, the decision to compromise, to slip into one of those sins or into one of those encumbrances, 
when those things come, what pulls us forward is this picture of what we want to see. I want a healthy marriage. I want to begin to grow in my life. So when I get married, I have a healthy marriage. Let that be what drives you forward. Not, I don't want a, parent, a marriage like my parents. I want to be financially stable. I want to know what it's like to have money in savings. Let that be what drives you forward. Chase what you want. And I would encourage you to always change for yourself. Change for yourself. When we change because we want the approval of someone else, there's a good chance we're never going to get it. When we're trying to change to prove someone wrong, when we're trying to change to prove our parents wrong or someone, a lot of us have a name or a phrase that sticks in our head that motivates us to keep moving forward. If we can just prove them wrong, we're not, we're not going to get their approval. They're not going to look at us and say, good job. What's more important is changing so we become who God wants us to be so we can do what we're supposed to do. Yeah. We grow and change to be at peace with ourselves and peace with God. Yeah. And that is why we grow and change. Number four is this. Get true accountability. Get true accountability. I'm going to have my soapbox for this. This is an issue for young adults. First of all, I've already said it. Posting New Year, New Me with a really good looking selfie is not accountability. Yes. <laughs> and getting likes on your fire selfie is not approval. Take us to church. All right? That's not true approval. Amen. It, it, I, I was reading a psychologist um, write about Facebook, and they have found that seeing that someone liked your picture you're posting on Facebook is equivalent to getting a hug from someone you deeply care about. Wow. To our generation, wow. that is how ingrained in us a like it is. And the, the thing that is crazy to me is that drives the way we talk about who we want to become. The way we phrase our goals, it's, and even the way we phrase when someone walks up to you and asks, how are you doing? The way we phrase things is similar to the way we would post it on social media. And we have trained ourselves, if I say this, that I'm going to get a good response. It's not accountability. Accountability is going to someone living the life you want to live and saying, help me get there. Yeah, that is true accountability. Accountability is not hanging out with your friend that struggles with the same issue as you because they will become a partner in your compromise. A lot of us, hey, I struggle with this, you struggle with this, we should hold each other accountable. It's like the blind leading the blind. Hey, neither of us can keep a budget. Let's go spend a ton of money together. Yes. Right? And, and this applies to couples too. Hey, uh, can you help us stay pure? I'll help you stay pure. No one's going to stay pure in that. It's not going to work. Right? We have to make a decision. If you are, and I just encourage you, if you are a young couple, get around a couple whose marriage you admire. Marriage you admire. Good. Not another dating couple you admire. A marriage that you admire. Because if you're dating, hopefully that's where it's headed, right? Hey, I admire your marriage. We're dating. Can you start teaching us now how to live the life you're living? If you want to be financially successful, go hang out with someone who has no debt. Go hang out with someone who's paid off a lot of debt. Go hang out with someone who has money in savings. Yeah. And when their car breaks down, they're going to be able to fix it. When they hit a bump in the road, they're going to make it, right? Go hang out with that person. If you want to be successful in business, go hang out with a successful business person. Yeah. And ask them, not only can you teach me how to get there, but can you keep me on track if I get distracted? That is okay. the goal of accountability, yeah. is reminding people of their goal. Yeah. 
hey, I know that you messed up, but this is who you said you wanted to be, and this is how you said you wanted to get there. How can I help you get back to that? That is true accountability. Please do not view confession as accountability. Getting something off your chest to someone who cannot help you improve it is not accountability. Yeah. And we'll go get coffee with someone, we'll say, I really struggle with this, and we'll say, I really struggle with this too, and then neither of us feel like we need to do anything about it. Please be accountable to people who encourage you to move forward. And some of us, that might mean changing our friend group. Some of us, that may mean I have to get around people that believe there's something more in me than the compromise I'm currently living in. And I would encourage you to find that. The next one is this, give of yourself. Hebrews 6 um, says this, For God is not unjust, unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name, and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. This is interesting. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. If you find yourself being complacent, I would encourage you to go serve somewhere. If you find yourself stuck, I found myself, when, when I am complacent, I am struggling from what I've heard called the disease of when I am stuck, I have begun to believe that my life is all about me enjoying my life more. And it's the disease of me. There is something so powerful about going to UGM and being reminded, wow, my inability to wake up on time for work is not that big of a deal. I just need to move past it. Wow, I'm really frustrated that I don't have enough money to go out to eat. Well, I should probably get on a budget then, because at least I have money. There is nothing more powerful to shake you out of where you are than to go give of yourself. Yeah. I would ask you the question, when was the last time that you gave of your resource to someone else? And I'm not just talking financially, because a lot of us say, well, I can't be generous, I can't be a giver, I can't go give of myself, because I have no money. Go volunteer somewhere, your time is free. Yeah. Especially at this age. And so boxing. If, if you are working part-time, please be filling the rest of your time yeah. with something. We will never be less busy than we are right now. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember there are people that are busier than us living the life we want to live. Okay. And we use the excuse, I don't have time. Really? None? You work three hours a week. Come on. There's a lot more hours in a week. Go do something. Yeah. Give. Serve. It's through that that we begin to find momentum and we okay. move past complacency. Number six is this. Believe. Number six is believe. There was a study um, by some psychologists. They, they couldn't understand or figure out why AA works, alcoholics anonymous. And they, they knew the, the science of habits and they knew the psychology of addiction and they could not figure out why AA was the thing that helped people move past their addiction. And they interviewed person after person after person. Every single one of them said, it was my belief that kept me going when times got hard. If we really want to see change in 2016, we have to believe that things can change. There are a lot of us, a lot of us have friends who have given up on trying to change because year after year, January starts well. February falls apart. 
And we have just come to believe that that area of my life is not going to change. But I want to read you this chunk of scripture in Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembly together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The psychologists found that something. They found this simple statement that community breeds belief. Community breeds belief. There's something so powerful about coming to UD Way on Thursday nights or going to a church on Sunday mornings where you begin to see, wow, if Jesus is working for them, then maybe, just maybe, it's going to work for me too. And I love this statement that Pastor Steve says, if you have no faith, no hope, then borrow some of mine. And that is the goal of UDYA. That is the power of being the collective us. Is though some of us are sitting in this room tonight and we're saying, really, new year, new me? No, I, I gave up on that a long time ago. I've had this dysfunction or this addiction or this struggle for years. And I've tried. I've done everything I know to do to move past it. I would encourage you to give of yourself within a healthy community like this and allow the stories of transformation to begin to spark your faith, to begin to give you hope to believe that things could actually change. And we have to remember that if collectively that is the goal, is to encourage people and say that change can really happen, then I have to be willing to grow. I have to be willing to show that Jesus works. I have to be living a life that says, hey, I gave myself fully to this and I'm seeing it work and I'm starting to change because our testimony may be what sparks faith in someone else. Yeah. Hey, I was right where you were. Yeah. I was struggling in my finances and, and I, I really started working on self-discipline and, and I've seen my life turn around in that area. Hey, I was really struggling with that issue our testimony of Jesus working could really change someone else's life. Yeah. And we need momentum in me. We need ourselves to be growing and to be changing. So that way, UDYA, Real Life Church, wherever you call your church home, is having an impact on as many people as possible. My story is going to affect a different person than yours is. Yeah. And we all have to be deciding, I want 2016 to be a year of momentum. So that way we can reach more people than we ever thought possible. So good. I, I want to end a little differently tonight, just for a couple minutes. I want you to grab people that you do life with. All right. I want you to grab, you know, a couple people that you do life with. And I want you to ask each other these two questions. What's what's the main thing for you in 2016? What's the main thing? Not the I just want to lose 10 pounds, man. Like what's the self-control? All right. What's the main thing? I have an anger issue because I'm frustrated about what's the main thing. Okay, what's your main thing in 2016? And then let's get some accountability from the start. How can I help you get there? All right, so grab two or three people, four people, ask those two questions. What's the main thing for 2016? And what's a couple things I can do to help you get there?